Hey everyone, and welcome to History from the Back Pages, Season 3, Episode 4, and Episode 28 overall. I'm your host, Colin Sugg. Welcome you to this week's episode. And as you know, for Season 3, we have been focusing on historical figures and events that have greatly affected the city of Chicago. And we first focused on Carter Harrison, the former mayor of Chicago. Then we looked at H.H. Holmes, former famous serial killer, and also looked at the World Columbia Expo. And then last week, we looked at famous billionaire Marshall Field. And this week, we move to another historical figure that is pretty well known, especially in the city of Chicago, but maybe outside of Chicago, if you're not interested in mob history, you might not know, but he's very well known, which is Tony Accardo. And two of his nicknames are Joe Batters and also the Big Tuna. Tony Accardo was born in 1906, the son of Francisco Accardo, who was a shoemaker, and Maria Accardo. His parents had immigrated from Sicily and moved to the near west side of Chicago, and Tony was born there after they'd been there about one year. Then, nothing else talks about Tony's early life, so we skip ahead until he was 15 years old when he left school and basically was walking the streets, going to pool halls, kind of loitering, not sure what he wanted to do, didn't have a clear plan, just kind of go- going in places that kind of unseemly, not exactly places that someone might want to go. But this time, he did not have very many options. So while he was there at age 15, he was soon picked up by the Citrus Cafe again, which is run by Chicago mobster Claude Maddox. So he was in the Citrus Cafe Gain, which was a low-level gain, like I said, run by Claude Maddox. He was there for a little bit. And once he was there, he was soon noticed by Jack Machine Gun McGroon, who was a hitman and probably one of the deadliest men alive in Chicago, who worked for the Chicago Outfit, which was run at this time by Al Capone, one of the most well-known and probably deadliest mobsters of all time. So Tony Accardo was recruited by Jack Machine Gun McGroon, who then told Al Capone that he'd be a good choice. So he was officially entered into the Chicago outfit. So this was a big step up from the Citrus Cafe again, which was low level. Now he's on the Chicago outfit, which is best of the best, highest of the mobster outfits in Chicago. And this was towards, so he started in 1906 when he was born, then he's age 15, so now we're in the 1920s. And in 1929, there's the famous St. Valentine's Day Massacre, where seven men who were part of the Northside Gang were killed on orders by Al Capone. And Tony Ricardo was involved in this, but this goes along with his legend. So there's facts and stories, articles that says he was one who was heavily involved, present at the scene. Then there's some articles that say 
he was behind the scenes, so not there, but he was definitely one of the people who orchestrated the murder of the seven men. So you can believe, basically, his legend that maybe he was heavily involved, or you can say maybe he was behind the scenes. But there is one fact that definitely can be believed. He was some way involved in the St. Valentine's Day massacre in Chicago in 1929. Just to extent, that is not proven. And after this, so we skip ahead about two years when Al Capone was still running the Chicago outfit. And you would think that maybe since Al Capone had committed many murders, many crimes, laundry lists of crimes, he would eventually have been caught for a murder maybe. Well, that was not the case because he was finally convicted of tax evasion and sent to prison for 11 years. So Al Capone had to give up control of the Chicago outfit while he went to prison for 11 years and he got out after eight years. So that would have been about 1939 when he got out of prison in Chicago. And while he was gone, Tony Carter began to be promoted higher up the chain in the Chicago outfit. And he was involved in activities such as gambling, loan sharking, extortion, and many more to name. And while Capone was in prison, Frank the Enforcer Nita, who was one of his key lieutenants, one of Al Capone's highest enforcers was in charge from the time he was in jail. And Nita decided to give um, Tony Carter a bigger role. So as I said, he got higher up the chain, which definitely was good for his career as a well-known Chicago mobster. A little bit about Frank then forced Anita. He was in charge of the Chicago outfit until he committed suicide in 1943. And some experts said it was due to his fear of going back to prison. He did not want to go back to jail. He had claustrophobia. That are some of the things. And I don't really want to go into detail about how he committed suicide because he's not the main focus of this episode. But you just need to know that Frank the Enforcer Nita committed suicide in 1943 and was out of the picture. So then Paul the Waiter Rica took over and he and Tony Cardo shared a leadership role of the Chicago outfit. And this is according to the crimemuseum.org website where I found a lot of the information for this episode about Tony Cardo, Paul the Waiter Rica, Frank Enforcer and also Al Capone as well because there's a lot of interesting articles on crimemuseum.org about each of those figures. And in 1957, so this is towards the middle part of Tony Carter's career, he turned over leadership roles to Sam Giancana while he stepped away. And Sam Giancana was in charge for a little bit, but not long due to his lavish lifestyle. What he was doing was not something that Tony Carter wanted. Tony Carter was more somebody who believed crime done behind the scenes. He didn't want it to be easily noticed by the cops where he could get sent to prison. He wanted it to become done under the floor 
like less noticeable. But that was not Sam Giancana at all. And so finally we get to 1960, and this is the first time that Tony Cardo, it looks like he may be going to jail. So he had not gone to jail yet. He had avoided going to prison. And in 1960, he was convicted of tax evasion, just like Al Capone 30 years earlier. But this was overturned due to inadequate media coverage. People believed it was prejudice, and he ended up not having to go to jail at all. And fun fact, Tony Cardo, his whole career, whole life from 1906 to 1992, never served a, j- a day in jail in his life. Which, very interesting because you think maybe at least one charge would have stuck and he would have went to prison for maybe a year, a couple months, but he ended up never having to go at all. And now we're going to pivot from his career as a mobster to more about his home, where he lived, what you can know about him just overall. And interesting fact, in River Forest, home of Concordia University of Chicago, you can see his old home. So on Franklin Avenue, there is Tony Cardo's basically McMansion, which was six beds, six baths, also had two bowling lanes and an indoor pool. He lived there for a number of years while he was in charge of the Chicago outfit. This was out of Chicago in River Forest, so it'd be easier to be away from the Chicago police. And while he lived at this lavish home in 1978, some thieves broke into his home while he was away on vacation in California to steal some jewelry, money from his safe in his home on Franklin Avenue. And this is pretty obvious. Most They did not escape with their lives. Uh, Tony Cardo, legend states that he had all three thieves killed and strangled under his orders. And basically you can take away from this, do not mess with a mobster. I don't know what they were thinking. Did they not know that Tony Cardo owned that home? Or did they think he would forgive, show mercy and forgive them? But obviously, he did not since they were all killed. And the moral of the story is, if it's too good to be true, then it is. So that was just a little bit about his home on Franklin Avenue. He also had a home on Ashland Avenue in River Forest as well, which he moved in there to evade the IRS and police notice because this was a small ranch home, not like the lavish home on Franklin Avenue, which you could easily spot and know that it was his home. Also, he had an undercover job or like what he claimed to be was like a beer brewer. So this was his official job. So not a mobster. This was his job he put, I guess, on his tax returns. <laughs> and a little bit about, some more about him. He had two nicknames. His nicknames were Joey Batters, which it was said that since he killed multiple people with just a baseball bat, legend states that Al Capone gave him this name, coined the term Joey Batters, because 
It just something that sounded good. Also, he was known as the Big Tuna. After allegedly catching a 400-pound tuna, and then the Chicago media, such as the Chicago Tribune, Chicago Sun Times, caught a picture of Tony Ricardo with a 400-pound tuna. Uh, once he caught it, and they took a picture of him, and then that's how he got the nickname, the Big Tuna. Also, some interesting, more recent facts are that two of his great-grandsons, who are Joey Bosa of the Los Angeles Chargers, and also Nick Bosa of the San Francisco 49ers, two star defensive players for their respective teams, are his great-grandsons. And this is the legend of Tony Cardo, one of the most infamous Chicago mobsters of all time. He may not be as well known as, for example, Al Capone, but Tony Cardo definitely made his mark on Chicago and was one of the most feared of his time from the early of 20th century to the late 20th century when he passed away in 1992 due to health issues. So he was not murdered, not assassinated like a lot of mobsters were. He just died of natural causes in 1992. And before we end the episode, I also want to talk about an interesting tour that you can take on the Chicago area, which is the Oak Park River Forest Gangster Tour, which if you take this tour as part of the Oak Park City community, it can take you past Tony Carter's old home on Franklin Avenue. And there are also many other homes that it takes you past as well. So, for example, they visit the exteriors of 13 houses that were once owned by major Chicago hoodlums, including Tony Ricardo, Paul the Waiter Rica, Sam Giancana, Tough Tony Capazio, and Machine Gun Jack McGroon. And I talked about Tony Ricardo, Paul the Waiter Rica, Sam Giancana, and Machine Gun Jack McGroon all in this episode. So if you want to learn more about them, you can definitely do some research as well. And once the coronavirus is gone, once it gets back to daily life, definitely the Oak Park Red Forest Gangster Tour will be back, back and running. According to their online website, they're not available until May 17, 2020, but this could be unupdated. We do not know based on what's going on with the coronavirus. So most likely the Gangster Tour is not available currently. And the guide of the Gangster Tour is John Bender, organized crime historian, author of the Chicago Outfit and Al Capone's Beer Wars, discusses the careers of the former owners of the homes, the gangsters' families, interesting features of each home. And he's visited more than half of the homes that go on the tour. And this is for a bus, no walking. So if you're scared of walking long distances, do not fret because this is on a bus. And this research was done from SciTownGangsterTours.com. So their Chi-Town Gangsters Tours website is where I got this information. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of History from the Back Pages on Infamous, Famous, one of the most revered and successful Chicago mobsters of all time. One in the top 10 lists, Tony Cardo, 
He made his mark on Chicago, and he was one of the first Chicago mobsters to organize his group by not in violent terms. So he committed many murders, many violent decks, but while he was the boss, they wanted to do stuff more behind the scenes, more educational, educated, more researched than just brutally running into the streets and machine gunning down people with a Thompson machine gun. He, Tommy Gun, he did it more strategically, which made him successful and made him, frankly, not killed early in his life. He managed to last all the way until he to his late 80s. So that's all about Tony Cardo. And thanks for listening to this week's episode. And we'll definitely have to get ready for the next episode next week. And stay tuned for more info on the historical figure or event they're going to choose for Season 3, Episode 5, and Episode 29 overall. Thanks for listening. Bye.